Welcome to the What About Us podcast, where I, Brona Lachlan, will be introducing you to some of the people behind the What About Us musical and movement. The What About Us project aims to give a voice to a generation who are demanding change, using the international language of music and the hashtag What About Us music social media platforms. The protest musical, which premieres in Dublin next year, addresses issues such as conflict, greed, human trafficking and mental health, all wrapped up in a beautiful love story. It is being created using a collaborative process with musicians and artists from all over the globe. The storyline is being workshopped in Dublin, Jerusalem and Palestine. The movement reaches a wider audience and addresses a broader range of societal issues, including climate change, the environment, war and human rights, which affect the youth of today and tomorrow. It's an ambitious project, but one with a rapidly growing following. In today's episode, I speak with Shifra O'Donovan, who's one of the co-founders of What About Us. Shifra has been writing the What About Us story for some time now, and she tells us a bit about the plot and her own writing experience, which helped her in crafting this amazing story. Hiya. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Good, yeah. Can you give us um, a bit of an introduction to yourself then, Shifra? Um, yes, sure. I'm... Um... I've been writing for a really long time. Well, like since I was nine, but professionally, I suppose, since like uh, the year 1999 or so. And um, I published my first novel, Malinsky, a historical novel set between Poland and Ireland. And that was beginning of the, of the year 2000. So um, that was then translated into Polish and then I worked on many other projects and published other books like Pema on the Yak, which was a story of Tibetan exiles, um, a travelogue. And the Arts Council funded that um, research I did over many years. But I was actually originally sent to India to study um, Tibetan philosophy, uh, Buddhist philosophy and Tibetan language. And then I did an MA in London. As well so I've had kind of quite a varied career <laughs> and um, so I've just been writing novels in the last few years and this is uh, yeah and I teach as well. What about us um, didn't overlap but it was while I was working on a book that came out last year Yours to Halfreys is a biography of Kevin Barry um, that I was asked by Aaron Wilkinson um, one of the musical directors um, who I've known for many many years he said, would you come on board and um, help to write the story um, for the What About Us musical? So then I, um, I, I thought it was very, yeah, very exciting by the sound of it. And then um, I had a meeting with Sammy over um, Skype, he was in Portugal. And that was like, I guess, May 2020, but I was literally on the deadline for the last draft of the Kevin Barry book, which was coming out the following September. Um, so it was really wonderful to have things happen back to to back like that and it was a project that really interested me because of its themes because of the motivation behind it because of the ideology behind it and because um i i would have worked with uh, similar themes but in very different contexts as well you know with war um refugees um dislocation dispossession um but um in terms of the love story um that really interested me as well i've written a 12th century novel um, a, a novel set in 12th century France, which is a love story um, between um, Eleanor Vakutin's daughter and a poet in the court. But it's also, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I have worked, been working on that book for a number of years as well. And that's um, 
hopefully we'll get a publisher soon. You kind of mentioned it a bit there, but like, how did, how did you, I suppose, get into writing? I've always loved stories, you know, so my father was a journalist and a writer and um, he was my mentor. And um, I guess quite a few people in the family wrote books. There were artists as well and architects, but it was my father who was my mentor. And uh, he was a very active journalist. And then he got a job that he detested in the Bank of Ireland. Um, he was a public relations manager. He did his best. In fact, he mm. was very active in the arts, trying to support the arts through public relations with the Bank of Ireland. But um, he just didn't like the culture of people working in banks, didn't suit him at all. So he got out and he went and wrote um, uh, freelance again. And then he started writing books. So when he said to me in, nine, I guess it was 1987, he said to me, I was doing my Linder search or something. He said, um, what will I do next? What will I write next? He'd written a book a book about dream, called Dreams of Dreams. It was about successful Irish American businessmen in America. And he went over for the trip of a lifetime. And I mean, he'd been there many times because my grandma was from Dallas, Texas, but dad had finished that book and it was, you know, quite successful and everything. And he had a business column in the Irish Times called Mercator. But he said to me, what am I going to do next? And I said, you're going to write a book about Kevin Barry because all I'd heard through my old childhood was with Kevin Barry. He's my great uncle and he was dad's uncle. So yeah, that was the next thing. And then I just had this bond with my father through writing. And um, I guess like, I, well, I went on to study English in UCD. I don't, I haven't heard it's as good these days, but you had Declan Carbage, you had Seamus Dean who died recently. These are, were also my mentors. And I know I'm talking about a lot of male mentors here, but I had a wonderful tutor as well. She was a wonderful woman from the Caribbean. She was really into Beckett and all of that. I, I know that I was writing a lot of poetry while I was in my undergraduate degree, but something happened on, when I had finished my exams. I was living in a flat in Monkstown with a Polish friend and a few other people. And uh, just this idea fell out of the sky at the bus stop. That's all I can say. And that's how ideas come to me. They fall out of the sky or I dream them. And I go, I have to do that. So unless I'm called to do something like, you know, the what about us thing. But when it's my own creative process, it's like, oh, okay, I don't have a choice here. I just go with it. So that frustrated many agents as well that I had because they were, what are you doing? Because I do one thing, they go, what are you doing? You know, why don't you write more literary fiction? Because I'd published Malinsky and then I was doing something else completely different after that. So I guess I'm quite versatile um, as a writer. I find it really a wonderful process. Everything that I've written has, uh, most things have come to me in, in a dream, an actual dream. Wow. So that's what I need, or, or some kind of vision. And that's the beginning. And that's it. And I have to go with that. Wow, that's so interesting that it just kind of comes to you and just that you dream these ideas and everything as well. Do you think like your writing would be a bit of an escape for you then? Writing has always been exactly that. That's really perceptive. Yeah, <laughs> really much. To be very honest, I didn't have a hugely easy childhood. So writing just became, I would just, when I was like nine or 10, I was writing this novel about a girl, uh, you know, sort of almost trapped in a house. And, you know, she was, you know, we all imagine we were that age that we're princesses or something, <laughs> but uh, it was an escape for sure. It was absolutely, it, that's exactly what it was. And it, uh, and it, and it still is because I mean, all art gives us a remedy for reality. It can either mirror, if it mirrors it too closely, we won't get anything from it perhaps in terms of understanding our, our life experience better. But when it holds a mirror up, but it does so using metaphor, we can get an understanding of what's going on. Because we don't, I think it was Nietzsche who said, life is lived forwards, 
but understood backwards. So we might be in the midst of some dreadfully difficult situation, but we don't know and we don't understand the meaning of it. And what's his name? Uh, Victor Frankl just reread that recently, his memoir of being in the, in the camps and how he dealt with it psychologically and emotionally. If we cannot understand why we're suffering, we were hopeless. So we need to have a, there has to be a meaning, there has to be a reason. You know, that's what a human being I think is always trying to do. I think that's what art does, what writing does, what music does. I think music is the most transcendent though of all the arts because it just goes somewhere very quickly that take, it just transports you very, very quickly. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think with music, it's kind of universally loved in that kind of way. This kind of art form that everyone gravitates towards. We just have different genres that we like. So Yeah, yeah exactly. And there's some absolutely beautiful music that you know coming out of this musical and I've been listening to that you know since you know last year and the the musicians over in Israel Palestinian the Israeli musicians are really you know it's really top class and and there's some pieces that I just I just love and they're often in my head as I'm writing the novel now it probably really helps you write the book though as well yes yes well I've always absolutely loved Middle Eastern music I've kind of I've spent an awful lot of time in the east I don't particularly like the west and I'm not that fond of living in Ireland either but I adore Middle Eastern music I adore Middle Eastern pop I love Tunisian pop music. I love so much. I love Jewish klezmar music. I love belly dance music. I love all of that. It just really gets me going. I find that, that some, some of the music I've heard really has been really inspiring. Yeah, no, definitely. In terms of writing books then and everything, like you mentioned, obviously the ideas kind of fall out of the sky or they're in the dreams or that kind of thing. So we kind of know how it starts off, but what would be the sort of if you could process of writing the book because for me I mentioned to you before I write like blogs articles stuff like that I can't even imagine tackling a book <laughs> to be honest yeah and uh, well I teach um, creative writing through um, the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell which is an archetypal narrative pattern that's found in all myths and stories across the world I've taught it in prisons and schools and all sorts of places. That's really useful to track your story. Mm. Very useful. But in my own re my own creative process, I tend to, it's like if I'm if I was baking a cake, the whole kitchen would be a complete mess, and then something nice would hopefully come out of it. <laughs> um, but I do tend to make a complete mess. I storm something. Like there was one time where I, in my life when I was writing a novel and it was to follow the Malinsky novel and I was getting extremely confused, but I, I realized that there were three different stories within one and then I had to pare them down and, and, and write the next book, which was the travelogue of Tibetans in exile. The, the, the experience of living and studying and researching in India had been had such a powerful impact on me that there was no way a, story, a piece of literary fiction based in Ireland was going to work for me. I wasn't even interested in doing that to be honest so the creative process can can be very messy in its early stages for me anyway and so when I came to write this story I mean originally I've been handed a kind of series of kind of very very loosely sketched scenes which span thousands and thousands of years and uh, so I started to work with that template but we realized I mean I started to write and I had scenes say set in Sultan Saladin's court in Cairo. I had uh, scenes in the Crusades in the 12th century, you know, um, but it was all, you know, within the story. However, 
we realized, oh, this isn't going to work for the musical. This is way too much. And we think about in terms of costume and mm. all of that and the expense of, of doing something like that. And, and it wasn't necessary to do that time travel. Uh, we realized as a, as, a, as a creative team. And then the, the story was condensed into, you know, a, a smaller time frame. However, it was very important to keep Lemuria because Lemuria, where the story starts, is the place that we all aspire perhaps to be, to have, to hold, you know, a place that is beyond suffering, a place that uh, where people live in harmony, where wisdom is a value, you know, people, there are elders who are respected within the community, you know, the ideal kind of beautiful natural place as well, a place of exquisite beauty and where people are living in harmony with that nature and in a kind of biorhythm with that nature. So it was very important that it started there because the two characters, main characters, they come from there and then they travel. This is the only really now fantastical part where they then transition separately, unfortunately, into the earth experience, the world experience, where they encounter oppression and slavery and war, traffickings and all of the themes that we know are in, what about us? So if you've come consciously from a place where there is some kind of perfection, you will always be contrasting it with that. The other interesting thing about Mahan and Alina is that Alina, for example, when she's found in the desert, where are your papers? I have no papers. I don't know actually how to tell you where I've come from. So I think that's interesting because that helps to diffuse the intensity of the conflict, you know, the Israel-Palestine issue and then the Northern Ireland issue as well. And Mahan has a similar thing in there. In fact, somebody says in the novel now that I'm writing, somebody says, oh, where are you from? He says, well, from Lemuria. He says, Nuri. So, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. A lot of humour has come into the novel. It's a bit like a Gingerman novel. It's, it's really been very interesting to write, go far more in depth. You kind of mentioned it a bit, but beyond writing, like what other kind of work would you do? I'm on a, a panel, the, uh, the Arts Council, called the Writers in Prisons panel, and I'm called in to work in prisons. And um, I did a project quite recently, but unfortunately not in the prison because of all the silly rules, but uh, because of the Kevin Barry book. Kevin Barry is something they're very interested in. Mm. I've, uh, I've worked with political prisons in Port Leash already. I've, I've worked many, many years. Uh, go in on a yearly basis for, say, a month or two of workshops or sometimes just a, a few weeks. But it was an amazing uh, process. So they were all, they were really with me on the way when I was researching and writing the Kevin Barry book. And they were really, really interested in engaging with that. And well, everything got locked up. I mean, they were not, a, you know, everybody was locked up. Everybody was in prison, so nobody could do anything. And then um, began to know how they felt. But they questioned the, somebody in the, who organises all the arts things um, in the prisons. He, he asked me to do a particular thing where, where Sebastian Barry had done this. Um, he was interviewed about a book and and um the the interview was then broadcast all the prisoners and then they were they were to interact with that somehow um obviously it's much better if you can actually go in but so this my one will be broadcast then in september and uh, we're hoping that this will generate more interest in the kevin barry book and um um it should be going into paperback this year i hope as well um but see the story of kevin barry is obviously very relevant and important but a they're political prisoners people go to me what do you mean they're political prisoners like people don't seem to realize there's political prisons in ireland mm. but of course there are and the story of kevin barry the, the large part of the story in, in the book obviously he had a very short life but several chapters are taken up with his time in prison yeah. and his court martial and his execution in the end 
so this is a cathartic book for prisoners to read plus many of them have been very inspired by Kevin Barry that's one thing that I do schools yeah I go into schools um don't actually enjoy that as much I really love prison work and then I teach independent courses online and um I used to do them more in person but I'll be doing them more in person in September but I teach two different courses one called the hero's journey which is based on Joseph Campbell's archetypal journey um you know and the hero with a thousand faces and um as you may know that that archetypal narrative pattern is used um, in a 12-step process um, in script writing um, so I've used that for script writing I've written a couple of scripts a couple of film scripts as well the, yeah I, I teach that course but I, I teach it in a way that it's not about just creative writing it's about accessing your creativity through this because the archetypes are very powerful week to week you know the first week you have the the hero um and the, or the heroine you have the call to adventure you have the crossing the threshold you have the in the belly of the whale you're going all across and going into act two and then the exposition of all of the the drama and the working with the you know with the allies and then dealing with the enemies and then getting the boon or the treasure and all of that so that's like our life anyway so people can use it as a tool for self-reflection and actually in Nebraska prison they were using the hero's journey as a tool for the prisoners for self-reflection and I think that's what I really want to do now is to go into the prisons and teach this like a long course like an eight to twelve week course and it could really be beneficial for them. I've been doing Zoom classes, and the great thing about Zoom classes is that you get people from all over the world, Australia, America, Europe, UK. So that was really exciting, actually. Um, I, taught a I taught the heroine's journey last September, a full course of that. The heroine's journey is a kind of a feminine reaction or response to the hero's journey. So it's a more, it's much more it's more or less for, for women and the feminine journey, but some men have done it too and find it very beneficial because according to Carl Jung, you know, and many psychologists and, and uh, psychoanalysts within us, there is the male and female principle. And within any wisdom tradition, they, they know this, they, if you know any, we have both within us and, and uh, we're not just one. And so exploring the feminine is a very important self-reflective tool, especially in the world we live in where the male principle has gone completely bananas. It's all about control. It's all about ambition, success, greed, all of it. It's gone into the negative state of the masculinity. The positive state is where they stand. The masculine principle stands and holds the feminine and honors that but that's not happening our earth is being desecrated and this is another thing that comes into what about us the environment the desecration of the earth and her resources so yeah and the character alina very much embodies that um i don't know i've been doing a lot of different conferences and stuff because of the different things i've been writing and um yeah lots of things but life hasn't been you know exactly normal i don't really like zoom so mm. i don't find it if i just did a conference in poland in Wuch, i was so looking forward to going there but no it has to be on boring old zoom that's really interesting about your work though it seems like you cover a lot of ground and there's a lot of crossovers with what about us and everything as well can you tell yeah. a bit about the story just because there would be some people who are listening to this who might have only heard about what about us recently yeah yeah so it's really a story of um, peace and love uh, triumphing over war it starts in the land called Lemuria a place that has no conflict Lena and Mahan are two of the main characters Lena is a spirited and brilliant healer in Lemuria who unbeknownst to her is pregnant by her beloved Mahan a wise warrior who's fought wars in the world and he's seen the conflicts caused by the beliefs that human beings beings cling to 
So um, by a strange, well, Alina has a great desire to go to the world, to see the world. She dreams of the adventures that she could have there. So in a way, she's embodying the masculine principle more there, whereas he wants to stay and keep everything in the, you know, the status quo, keep safe, because he's seen the horrors of the world. But she's determined to go, and she's also very much prompted to go by Morgana, who appears like a mentor at the beginning, but and she's a very interesting character because she's quite quixotic. She, she, she's mercurial. She changes and changes and changes. You don't know what she is. Mm. Is she a villain? Is she um, a mentor? You know, is she a guide? What is she? So she can be all things, but in the end, there's a resolution. Yeah. So no, that's really interesting. Have you ever actually written for a musical before, or is this no. a first? How has that kind of changed the process? Well, it's a hugely collaborative process. So it's meant, you know, being on a team, or it's meant, you know, um, workshopping with mus musicians in Israel as well, and and that's been wonderful, you know. Um, and being in contact with people, you know, always by Zoom, unfortunately, but all over really the world. And, you know, sometimes sure she's based in Spain, sometimes she's in Jerusalem, um, sometimes Sammy is in Dublin, sometimes he's in um, Portugal, but we're always really on Zoom, you know, except a couple of the people involved, the other directors, you know, Aaron and, and Des, they're living close by me. Well, um, certainly for the last six months, Aaron has been, so we would meet and that's been, it does make a huge difference to actually, yeah to actually meet and brainstorm. And we had great workshops last summer at in Sammy's in Portugal, where Aaron, Des, Sammy and me, we all workshopped the story and we made huge progress, you know, in a, in a week it was great. And how did you come up with such a unique story? Like, was this another fell from the sky or what, did they kind of give the idea for the story or was it a dream? <laughs> um, well, Lemuria did come to me sort of intuitively. I thought that would be the right place for the story to begin. Um, so that that was kind of an intuitive thing. And then, um, well, the, the idea of Mac really got born in those Portugal workshops, you know, and that there had to be this, this younger because we wanted to appeal to the younger people. So the idea of uh, Mac was literally born that time in Portugal, you know, and that was all of us brainstorming um, um, together. And um, Alina and and Mahan, they came to me just you know from the Namuria context, and 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 I realised they need to make this journey into the world. And originally, as I said before, I thought this would be a time travelling kind of thing, but that really was too epic, too fantastical. So we reduced all of that. But I always felt that it was very important to keep some of the magic, because some of the fantasy. Um, because the themes could be very heavy and difficult to deal with. Um, and nobody really wants to be sitting there and, and listening to, you know, a heavy story of conflict. And I'm sure that's not what's happening anyway. But, you know, two things can offset that, some magic and some humour. Mm. So I'm trying to get that balance myself right now in the, in the novel, you know. Because if you go too fantastical, then people may not be so interested. But, you know... Um, the fact that they these people are from Lemuria, they might have certain gifts that they carry through their their earth and worldly experience, which can help them, you know, in that Harry Potter kind of way. You know, I have an invisible cloak. Well, they don't have invisible cloaks, and they don't have, you know, um, you know, holy grails. They don't have all that stuff, but they they have perhaps some gift of. Uh, Mahan tries to make himself invisible at a certain point in the Belvoir Forest in Belfast when he sees a group of IRA men running through the forest with a whole pile of guns under sacks. 
And then when he's spotted, he tries to make himself invisible because he thought he would be able to do that, but doesn't always work. So there's a bit of that where they, they're trying to work out themselves how much of their Lemurian gifts can they use in the world. And it isn't always that easy because Earth is very dense. Earth is very a difficult experience. You know what I mean? It has so much suffering. It has so much conflict that the magic may not always work. But I think we need to use a bit of that to offset the enormous, you know, themes that there are in this story yeah no definitely i was just going to ask you actually about um challenges you've experienced when writing it but it sounds like that is a challenge in itself nearly like trying to make it entertaining and not too heavy in a sense because these are like heavy issues to be discussing but yeah. they need to be discussed all the same but you know you still want to make sure it's entertaining for an audience and everything yeah, I have to say I got very disheartened when there was actual real conflict in, in Israel again yeah. and hearing what was happening to the Palestinians and I was really, you know, everybody was very distressed and we, we were, the show she just disappeared off a of Zoom because she said there were rockets outside, so it made it incredibly real. I, I think it is, yeah, more important than ever that a story like this is told through wonderful music which helps to, to transcend the, the huge difficulties that there are. And that could be possibly a sort of, there were, you know, imagine there were songs that embodied that and then those became the inspiration. So it's not that it's a story that's going to be the thing that carries on. It's going to be the music. It's going to be the songs. In terms of any other challenges, did you experience any kind of like writer's block or anything like that? I don't really get writer's block. Um, I just tend to make a, a huge like scrambling mess first and then I pull out the pieces and I go this is going to work and this is good this thread and this thread and then you're weaving you know I suppose there's definitely lulls though like when you're in the creative process like um like Mac is about to be born in the story the novel version now and um somehow that's quite uh, a lot had to be built I had to do a lot of world building around um, you know, what kind of place was this that Mac was born in and what does it what does it look like? And for me as a novelist, I can really go very deeply into it in that form. Whereas when I'm when I was writing before, it was more like just sort of more like a summary. And, and now I can really see it and smell it and feel it more. So hopefully, you know, people will um, enjoy enjoy that. But do I have writer's block? No, I mean. I do a lot of work with people in workshops myself to help mm. people overcome writer's block and the way I teach writing it's very hands-on you write in the workshops and then you read out and you share so um, I've never seen anybody not, I've very rarely seen anybody not able to write I just do I just do it because I think especially since I had my son I never had a block because I felt I felt there's very little time on planet Earth. Yeah, there's a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I, and also when you've got a kid, like you're going, oh, I have even less time. Right, we're going to use this time really well. <laughs> it's good you don't get writer's block anyway. You can always get the words out and I like what you said yeah. as well about you don't get writer's block. You just make more of a mess and then take the bits. Out. Yeah. In terms of the the story though, like I know it's probably hard to estimate exactly, but how long do you think it took you to write it? I'm definitely still in it. It's not finished. 
by, 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 by any means. I think the story, as we've summarized, it works. I don't know what they've done to it now, but I think yeah. it works as a story now, as I've seen the last time in sort of April or so. Yeah. And so I'm basing the novel on that. And um, I'm, I, I'm far from finished. I mean, maybe I'll have a first draft of the whole story done by November, let's say. You know, it takes nine, six to nine months to write a novel, a first draft mm. of a novel. Yeah. It can take longer and it can also take less time. And it may take me less time, but right now I think that's, that's, that's where I'm at. No, that sounds like a good place to be at, honestly. It yeah. sounds like you're on you're on target and everything and you know, you really connect with the story and everything, which is really important. And you don't get writer's block. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. The only thing that would inhibit me creatively would be like when I'm really under pressure on a deadline. And because of different circumstances, you know, we were under pressure to get a summary out, you know, for different things. Yeah. And um, I did find that um, creatively um, difficult. I wouldn't be at my best under that kind of pressure, mm. you know. I so you. I'm, I'm really happy now just to be to be doing this um, because take more time and I can explore more. And as I'm going, I can do more research. And I'm reading a lot of books all around the whole subject. How do you envision the musical success? I think once, you know, the, 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 there are key songs written, you know, and then, and then they're choreographed around that. And the story obviously must be completely, you know, mm. solid and, you know, that people just draw from that because it's a strong foundation. And uh, I, I think everybody's always seen it as, as a very big production, yeah. um, something that involves um, a lot of young people. Um, something that crosses borders, you know, with Israeli, Palestinian, Irish musicians and that beautiful melange of the East and the West. For me, that's a really important part of it. Um, and that hasn't been done before. So it's a very unique story. It's a very unique musical as well. So, you know, I think there's so, so, so much going for it. But, you know, I don't, I'm not a professional in terms of production or, you know, artistic direction or anything mm. like that. So there's many, many pieces that need to come together and 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 are coming together. But uh, as I said, I'm kind of just on the backseat at the moment, just writing a novel. But I, I love seeing the clips of the, you know, the, the stuff that show she's doing at the moment with Israeli and Palestinian musicians and, um, you know, uh, I, I find that wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I mean, that's everything I wanted to ask you, Shifa, but um, yeah, it was great talking to you anyway. Really enjoyed hearing you talk about the work you do as well with the prisoners and everything. I think that's so interesting and it must, it must give you another, do you know, you're, it seems like you're learning about many different cultures and many different people as well, which makes you obviously the perfect person to write about this story, you know? Yeah, no, it really grabbed me when when uh, I was asked to do it. So, yeah, really um, such interesting themes in it, you know. Thanks so much for tuning into the What About Us podcast. Be sure to follow all of our social media platforms at hashtag WhatAboutUsMusic.